Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Yeah, the fetish explanation makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> than any kind of emotional, psychosocial type justification. Um, oop, there's my Uber Eats! <laughs> One second. Welcome to the Sinister Sissies podcast, your guide to true crime, horror, and everything man-on-man and macabre. I'm Jared, your master of depravity, and I'm here with the man whose liver would go very well with some fava beans and a nice Chianti, Paul Karp. Oh, hello. Thanks for having me. Did you get that reference? No. Silence of the Lambs. Ah, okay. Yeah. Which, there are some interesting parallels that we'll see in this particular case. Which came out in the 90s, did it? Yes. Mm. Wow, was he inspired? Do you know what? I'm sure that was part of his, like, formative years, because I think he would have been, like, a teenager in the 90s. The documentary that I watched on Armand Mivas goes through this whole tearjerker story about how he invented an imaginary brother because his mother was really overbearing. Like, it really blamed the mother. Uh, but it didn't It didn't claim to Ooh. be able to know his movie uh, habits, so can't say. So, today's episode is on famous German cannibal Armin Mivas. Now, Paul, before I'd mentioned Mivas, had you heard of him before? Uh, no, I, I was aware there was a, a high-profile consensual cannibalism case. Because I did university oh. debating, yes, confession, I'm a nerd. And consensual no cannibalism does actually come up now and again as like an example of like extreme S&M. And I use it with first year law students. Yeah. Uh, I always bring it up as a great example of, um, yeah, consent and the limits of consent. We, we jump right into it. Of course, he's not just any run-of-the-mill cannibal the thing that's really interesting about the Armin Mivas case is that his quote-unquote victim consented to be eaten. And it raises a lot of very interesting ethical and legal conundrums, which nerdy debate students <laughs> and lawyers love that shit. Love it. Yeah, because the, the case showed up that there was a bit of a gap in the law in... Germany in that cannibalism wasn't illegal and so there was a kind of weird in between uh you know is it manslaughter because the victim asked to be killed and he was just complying with a request or is it murder because he also wanted to kill him 
you know, hard to legally classify. All right, so what do we know about our wonderful cannibal friend, uh, Mr. Midas? He was born in 1961 in Germany in a small town, uh, the name of which I'm going to butcher. I believe it's Kassel. Paul's, Paul's nodding in agreement. Your German knowledge, yeah? Yeah. I'm doing good. Uh, his father abandoned him at quite a young age, at the age of um, eight years old, and he was largely raised by his mother. Now, by all accounts, in terms of what I've read, in terms of media reports, um, uh, Armin Mivas's mother was quite difficult. She was very critical. She was quite overbearing. Uh, and there seemed to be some sort of dependency that was created between Mivas and his mother. We don't know a lot about Armin Mivas's childhood. And so I don't know how much of this stuff is people trying to fill the narrative conveniently. Um, by Mivas's own account, um, his fantasies about cannibalism and eating um, other children or other boys uh, came about quite early on. Yeah, as young as eight. He, yeah, and and he had, at a young age, he had an imaginary friend that he called Frankie, um, and he would confess these fantasies um, to Frankie um, by the reports that I've read. Yeah, I think it is interesting, though, that um, in order to get out of the murder charge... Uh, he uh, argued that it wasn't a sexual fantasy. So I, d I do wonder how much of this stuff about the imaginary brother, imaginary friend, who he feels more close to when he eats him, uh, you know, uh, yeah. how much of that is like a desperately trying to think of some reason why you might want to eat someone that isn't because you get a hard on. Things really began to change for Mivas because in 1999, his mother died, um, leaving him completely alone to his own thoughts and fantasies in a, a large house in the countryside in Germany. And it's at this time that he began to go on the internet and start to pursue his cannibalistic fantasies. Yeah, so he started advertising for willing victims. And, yeah, and, and, and this and, is like early days of the internet as well, where it's all like notice boards and stuff. Yeah, it's like no no dark web, no encryption, just like one of the notice boards was called like Cannibal Cafe or something. It's like, yeah, all just out there. And there was an interview with Mivis where he said that in these early days of the internet, he said that there were thousands of message boards dedicated just to cannibalism. Like it was like a popular topic in like the turn of millennia for some reason. Yeah, he like estimated there were 8,000 in, in Germany alone. Uh, and when he- Seems like a lot. And when he advertised, <laughs> he got like 200 replies. So- Well, let's let's talk about what he actually advertised. So in 2000, um, at the age of 39, Mivas posted an advertisement on the website at Cannibal Cafe, as you said, and it said this, looking for a well-built 18 to 30-year-old to be slaughtered and then consumed. Do you know what pissed me off about this? I'm up... I'm his upper limit, right? 
Uh, in a couple of months, in a couple of months, I'm no longer on the menu, apparently. Oh, oh. well, it is gay death then, isn't it, 30? Well, it's such bullshit, though, because he's 39, and he's wanting to get these, like, youngins. Yeah, you think if you've got a, 30. a fantasy that sick, you wouldn't be that picky about who said yes. At 39, you should not be going after 18-year-olds. I'm just, uh, this is my... Well, he's still got a reply, so... Well, he didn't just get one reply. As you said, he got apparently hundreds of responses um, from people who have this fantasy of being slaughtered and consumed. Yeah, although, you know, they didn't go through with it. So you wonder whether they're just, you know, jerking off to it and then logging off. Yeah. And I wonder, I haven't actually seen any surveys or anything like that, but I wonder how common this fantasy is. This fantasy of, this sexual fantasy of being consumed. Because, like, I don't want to say, like, I was going to say I get it. I do kind of get it. Like, as in, in terms of the, the rich tapestry of S&M dynamics, being eaten by another person makes a sort of sense. Yeah, one of the one of the uh, like psychological experts on the doco was saying that it's like a very extreme dom sub thing where the sub gains power from the fact that in that moment when they're being consumed, they're like very integral to and important to the to the dom because they're giving them. They're giving them that experience. They're becoming part of them in a way that they otherwise wouldn't, which as as best as one can rationalise a perverse fetish that one doesn't share, I, I found that kind of persuasive. Perverse in a non-critical, non-judgmental sense. If you have this fantasy as a fantasy, I think it's pretty non-problematic. Uh, oh, I think there's a debate to be had about whether the criminal law should get involved, but I, 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 am uh, not going to in the fantasy in just the I'm fantasy. Not gonna, not I'm active. not going to police my language around calling cannibalism a perverse sexual fantasy. Is PC culture gone mad, Jared? Didn't you learn anything I'm... from from White by Brady Smellers? <laughs> hey, it's more interesting than heterosexual sex. That's what I'll say. That I can agree with. Yeah. Um, so most of these responses were bullshit and he actually spent months uh, vetting different people to see whether or not they were actually willing to go along with his cannibal, cannibal fantasy. Um, there was one guy uh, by the name of Borge Jose who actually attended Mibus's house, um, lied on the table in preparation to be butchered, and then ostensibly backed out. He said he started, uh, he complained of feeling sick and was asked to be released. And Maiva said, oh, yep, sure. <laughs> if you're a bit sick, I can't eat you, apparently. Um, and let him leave. So all round, all round good bloke, you know. Well, not forcing anyone I... to be there. Not, not, not pushing him into it. Look, this is a guy who respects consent. Well, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> He, he has stronger moral principles than a lot of, like, frat boys in America, really. <laughs> As in, at the first sign that someone wasn't into it, he let them leave and he obliged and he seemed to have been uh, quite a respectful gentleman. Uh, 
Um, little is actually known about Mivas's sexuality, it should be noted. Um, a lot of the reports that I see call him bisexual, and I think that's just because he himself said that he was bisexual. I have no idea about what his sex life was like um, before the incident. Do you? Uh, so the doco, the doco interviewed a neighbour uh, who said that he was quite camp, or, or so she thought he was gay. But like one time he propositioned her or hit on her, and she said it was that was like such a strange idea to her, and she didn't consider him to be that sexual, and she thought that was mm. like being propositioned by Mickey Mouse. Um, uh, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, so she she thought he was probably gay. Apparently he talked about it with his army mates. Like he asked them, "Do you think I'm gay?" And the army mates were like, well, I don't know. I guess that's up to every individual to determine whether they're attracted to men or women. Um, so yeah. Wonderfully respectful European. Yeah, and very, very, ma- very matter of fact. Like, you can't fault the logic. It's like, I, I don't know, Armin. <laughs> like, are you gay? Like, it is up to you. <laughs> um, yeah, so he seemed confused. On, um, in February of 2001, uh, Mivis finally got what he was after, uh, when 43-year-old Bernd Brandis, a computer engineer from Berlin, uh, sent him a, a message. Sent him an, a message and lied about his age, by the way, because the message that Brandis sent was, I am 36 years old, 175 centimeters, and weigh 72 kilograms. I hope you were really serious about it because I really want it. And he was in his 40s. Okay. Yeah, he was 43. Yeah. yeah. So basically the etiquette of uh, of exaggerating uh, or, or underestimating your age on Grindr is exactly the same as the etiquette when you're trying to get eaten. It's whatever well, you can get away with. Well, then I'm 23. Can I get away with 23? <laughs> Oh, Jared, I, w- I would eat you regardless of what your grinder profile says. Ah, uh, you have no standards. <laughs> so what do we know about Brandis? Uh, as I said, he was a computer engineer, like middle management type guy, also appears to be bisexual. Um, and there's something about his sexual history which indicates that that this fantasy of being eaten uh, for Brandis ha- has been around for, for quite a while. He w- had been in a long-term heterosexual relationship and all mm. his work colleagues uh, thought he was heterosexual. And then after the breakup, uh, he was in another committed relationship uh, with another man. And the, like that was a very steady, you know, boring domestic type uh, relationship but then he also he also saw rent boys who he asked to bite off or cut off his his penis so he was he was seeking out he was seeking out the fantasies with sex workers while having a completely normal gay relationship after having a completely normal straight relationship at the time that Brandis responded to Mivis's ad to be eaten he was living with a man um, who had no idea about uh, Brandis's sexual fantasies. Um, 
interviewed after the fact his partner, who I believe was given the pseudonym Renee J. Um, his partner said, inflicting pain was never an issue in our relationship. I didn't like it. So it was just never talked about. And Brandis seems to have harbored these fantasies in secret when he responded to the ad. You are aware that you have a, a, a sexual fantasy or desire that's particularly um, stigmatized or you know that it's abnormal, um, that, that it's, it's normal that lots of other people around you wouldn't be aware of that because you just wouldn't tell them, so... Yeah, you wouldn't openly talk about, I want to have my penis eaten. <laughs> it's not a it's not a conversational kink. You know, there's some kinks, kinks like, ooh, I like to be handcuffed slightly. That's a conversational kink. Maybe not with work colleagues, but, you know, with friends, that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything to do with severing of things, I feel like, is the limit. All right, so let's let's get to the the incident itself. So um, Brandis and Mivis exchanged a number of emails, and you could tell that there was this fantasy was building up between them. The exchange between them was all about, "Oh, I really want to do this," and "Oh, I really want you to do this." Like it was very sexting type um, back and forth between the two of them. And then finally, on the 9th of March, two thousand and one. Brandis went to Mivis's home. They uh, started off by apparently chatting about tech-related things. Uh, they had uh, sex. Um, Mivis had set up a special room in the house, his kind of slaughter room that he had created um, that was soundproof. Um, Brandis uh, initially was was very interested and then appeared to have a change of heart um he even asked Mivis to take him to the station at one point um and then after considering it said that you know what if i if i numb myself a little bit um i think i will be able to go through with this and so brandis swallowed a number of uh, sleeping pills um, a whole bottle of cough medicine um, and some schnapps uh, before the process began. Sounds like what? sounds like the start to a great night out. It does. I think mixing uh, cough medicine and, and schnapps, isn't that called like a scissorup or something? Uh, yes. Isn't that what the rappers drink? Uh, finally, at around 6pm, uh, Brandis turned to Mivis and said, do it now. Now, I am going to go through the details of what happened. Now, I'm going to do this because I want to talk about the ethics in relation to this consensual cannibalism case. And I think in order to really process the ethics, you need to know graphically exactly what happened. However, if you're a squeamish person... Well, well, well. Uh, you're giving the trigger warning now? <laughs> I have. I just think this one maybe needs it just a little bit. Sure. Um, if you're a squeamish person, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast is probably the, the actual trigger warning. Um, the reason that we know exactly what happened is that the whole process was videotaped um, and viewed not just by court officials, but also journalists, which I found a bit strange. Open justice. Um, yeah, Very in uh, favor of it. I'm surprised that copies of the tape haven't 
been found or distributed. Apparently it's, it's a form of lost media um, and nobody's seen it. Mivis began um, by attempting to bite off Brandis's penis. That was uh, Brandis's fantasy. By his request, he tried to bite it off. Um, this didn't work because obviously his teeth were, were too blunt. Uh, he did bite Brandis's testicles and apparently popped both the testicles with his teeth. Uh, as chewing the penis wasn't successful, uh, Mivis then got a knife and tried to cut off Brandis's penis. The initial knife was too blunt and then he went and got a sharper knife and finally sliced the penis off. Both Mivis and Brandis then tried to eat the rare penis, um, but it was, it was too tough, apparently too chewy, um, and neither of them could do it. Keeping in mind as well at this point that Brandis is losing a lot of blood and is kind of out of it in terms of sedatives, um, and so he couldn't do that either. Um, Mivis then tried to saute the penis in a pan with salt, pepper, and garlic, um, but that ended up just charring it, um, and so it was inedible, and he ended up feeding it uh, to his dog. Brandis was placed in a bathtub uh, filled with ice um, whilst Mivis took a break from it all. He apparently went and read a Star Trek book for three hours. Um, when he finally returned, Brandis was still alive but bleeding out and on the brink of death. Um, and Mivis kissed him once and then stabbed him to death in the throat. He then hung up Brandis's body on a meat hook and tore hunks of flesh from it. Um, he stored the flesh in his freezer um, and he also tried to grind the bones to try and make flour out of it. And then for the following uh, next couple of months, Mivis slowly consumed uh, bits of Brandis's body. 20 kilos. It's yeah, it's estimated that he consumed about 20 kilograms of Brandis's flesh. And said it tasted like pork. Rough stuff. Not, you know, not not pleasant goings on uh, occurring there. Yeah, it's like even if your fantasy was to eat someone or to be eaten, you can see how actually carrying it out would you you might just back out after grievously wounding them. But nope. Yeah, and I think what people find particularly disturbing about this as well is that my verse. Um, it was very meticulous. And so the way that I'm kind of, I'm just picturing him dead-eyed, you know, no reaction going through this process. It's hard to get inside his head and try and understand exactly what his motivations were. If you th I was thinking of it always in terms of the distinction between murder and manslaughter. And I was just thinking, you know, if he stayed downstairs and just let him bleed out in the bath, would have had a much stronger, you know, case for manslaughter. But because he, because he went up and, and finished the job, it was later upgraded to, to re, you know, re-prosecuted and upgraded to murder. Um, it, and so, yeah, that, mm. that, that, is, that is what tipped him over into the longer sentence. 
There's no indication, though, that he sought out to kill. Um, and I, I think that that final couple of stabs to the neck was really out of mercy more than anything else. Mm. So how did Mivus get caught? Well, um, he was pleased with the results of his first victim, so he uh, then placed fresh ads um, on, I think, I don't know if it was on the Cannibal Cafe website or other websites, but he he posted fresh ads for new victims. Um, A college student in Austria saw the ads and reported it to police. Uh, Police went to Mivas's home in December of 2002. Uh, investigators searched his home and found uh, body parts uh, and body parts of, of Brandis and, and also the video tape, which they saw. Um, they also seized Mivas's hard drive where they found thousands of images of torture and violent pornography. He would have got away with it if he didn't re-advertise. Yeah, he should have just been satisfied with one. One and done. That's what I always say. He wasn't even done. Uh, he wasn't even even. Yeah, there was still there was, there was still good he flesh still there. Had a freezer full of it. <laughs> it's just a waste of good meat. Uh, probably wanted someone younger. Sure, like this is over. This is in its thirties now. It's too haggard. <sighs> it's too flabby and fatty. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the, the, the legal situation with Mivas was very, very interesting. Mivas admitted exactly what he did straight away. Um, so the, the trial was never run on the basis that he didn't do it or this was, I mean, I don't know how you'd run the case of just like, I didn't even know that there were bits of person in my, in my house. Um, but it wasn't run on that basis. He was, he was charged with murder and interference with the corpse. Um, whilst the murder charge was on the table, the trial judge um, ultimately convicted him of voluntary manslaughter and not murder. And his initial sentence, which was given on the 30th of January 2004, was for eight and a half years in prison which is quite low. Although the media at the time, obviously this had a lot of media sensation at the time. The media commentary in Germany at the time is that many people thought that he shouldn't have been on trial at all, um, which is quite an interesting idea because it seemed seemed clear that, that Brandis was consenting um, and some people thought that he, he shouldn't have been charged with anything. Yeah, and the... the- the the form of manslaughter that he was charged with is is you know similar to what people would be charged with if they were complying with someone else's request to be euthanized um mm. so the 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 sexual motive is really the thing that distinguishes it from that um but and but- and that's why the prosecutors appealed um they appealed the decision uh in 2005 and a retrial was ordered I know uh, the fact that Brandis was consumed a number of sedatives was raised. Um, there were um, psychiatric assessments. Well, there was a psychiatric assessment of Mivas who found that he wasn't suffering from 
a mental health issue. He was suffering from a personality disorder of some sort, um, but he wasn't suffering from a mental health diagnosis like schizophrenia or anything like that. Um, yeah, the one the ones that get you off in criminal law, if I remember correctly, are the ones where you literally don't know what you're doing. Where, yeah, where, where you, you're in a dissociative state, where where you know you think that you're doing battle with a giant panda when you're actually you know stabbing someone to death not not where you not where you appreciate uh that the other person is a human but you're you're driven to do it because of a sexual urge like that 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 doesn't get you off i i don't know what the the test is in germany but generally if if you know the act that you're doing and you know that it has lethal consequences uh, even if you, you know, were paranoid and thought that someone was out to get you or, or something like that, um, you're never going to get a full defense on the basis of mental, mental illness. And then you get committed um, anyway. Yeah. And that there was a discussion about whether or not it was appropriate to commit him. And ultimately that was, was not the decision. Um, the retrial, the, the, the new judge, um, uh, concluded that he should have been convicted of murder and he was given a sentence of life in prison what is, what is your take on this what do you, do you do do you agree that he should have been charged at all and if he was charged what do you think he should have got well it seems to answer the description of both crimes because uh it is uh it, it is him killing uh, 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 brandis at brandis's request so in that sense it does uh meet the description of the manslaughter charge but then it is also him intentionally killing him uh with the sexual motive so it does seem to answer the the higher one as well um Mm. and yeah i've got a bit of a kind of goldilocks approach to this where uh eight and a half years seems too light but life seems life seems too long um yeah and yeah i think you can have philosophical discussions about uh oh is there even a if there is there even a public harm that you're trying to prevent if the victim uh consents to it but i think in practicality um you wouldn't want you wouldn't want people getting off from murders by claiming that they you know claim that the victim consented claiming that yeah. the victim consented so maybe uh, occasionally you have to uh, be hard even on these cases where it seems the victim was consenting just to send a broader social message that you know don't kill people even if they have a fantasy about it yeah i think that's the strongest argument against i mean the civil libertarian in me wants to say consensual cannibalism go nuts <laughs> that's that, that that's my kind of principled moral position is that we should value consent and people should have a consent um to their own death on their own terms for whatever reason that's my kind of strong position but i can see having that defense available being abused fairly readily by somebody who who has killed someone one aspect that uh one aspect that we didn't cover is that um and whether he he kept up this pretense in order to pretend it wasn't sexual is that (laughs) Uh, Mivas claims uh, that that process of internalizing Brandis then made him feel closer to him, feel strong memories of him, and also that he gained attributes of his, including that he could speak English better from eating him. 
Oh, that's a side benefit. Since he's been in prison, though, he's been a bit active. He's now a vegetarian, which is all, which is in all the media reports. You'd um, become a vegger just to troll the media, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, just, just, it fits the narrative Just bring out a well. tofu cookbook at Christmas and just be like, <laughs> ah. Um, he's also apparently um, part of a prisons group that supports Green Party politics. Oh, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're thrilled about his endorsement. <laughs> So he cares a lot about the environment, which is nice. Uh, and another thing which I thought was um, quite interesting is, uh, and this this plays into the Silence of the Lambs Hannibal Lecter thing, he has been consulted a couple of times uh, when investigating cannibal-linked murders. Yeah. So investigators have actually gone in and he's, he's consulted and assisted in investigations for uh, situations where they've got murders where they think that the motivation might be this kind of cannibalistic urge. And so, as it stands, Mivis is still in prison, uh, consuming his vegetarian meals and no doubt uh, looking thirstily at his fellow inmates. Thank you for listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Sinister Sissies, or you can follow me individually at Jared Bartle, or you can follow Paul at Paul underscore Carr. I'd like you to also consider donating to our Patreon, where you can get exclusive access to audio commentaries and articles written by myself. You can find us on Patreon at Sinister Sissies, and it really helps out the show. Until next time, stay sinister.